0: Manager, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. Well, I'm not normally a praying man. But if you're up there, please save me Superman. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've told me done. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives Podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 64, and this is probably not going to be the longest show that we ever did. Oh, jinx
1: it. You do that, like, we're going to have a three-hour
0: show. Yeah, that's true. That's somehow how it works out. And at least one of these things, we do have a certain amount that we definitely want to talk about. But, yeah, I mean, right now that we are in the throes of packing and getting ready to head out for C2E2 in Chicago for next weekend, we are heading out on Tuesday, which means, yeah, the laundry is getting done and the electronics are being checked and... The cat is being pampered because <laughs> he will be alone except for cats sitting twice a day for five days. But, but uh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really at the point where I'm I'm getting psyched for this. Yeah, it's, me too. You know, above and beyond, you know, the original thing was, oh, this will be a fun thing to do besides San Diego. No, it's a, as I'm looking at the program and everything, this is going to be really awesome in its own right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, the plan right now is we'll be arriving in Chicago on Tuesday. We're going to be attending the convention Friday and Saturday. We have to come back to Boston on Sunday, so we're not going to have any coverage for that day. But right now, here is our plan for releasing shows during and right after the convention with that particular coverage. We're probably going to do a short-ish recap show about Friday, and we'll release that at some point on Saturday. not sure exactly what time, but... Uh, We will probably do the same thing, a short recap show about Saturday. Uh, We will record and release that on Sunday. And we'll probably release that at our our normal release time on Sunday, which is 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, which is like 2.30 a.m. Greenwich Mean time or or whatever. Um, We will do an overall recap, uh, including whatever audio that we're able to get from panels. Um, It'll take a day or two to pull that together, so figure we will do that. Uh, either on Monday or on Tuesday. Uh, And we'll be back to our just regular back to our regularly scheduled programming uh, (laughs) with the the show about Avengers Age of Ultron Uh, that'll be Sunday May 3rd at 10.30pm again 2.30am Greenwich Mean Time got a couple cool guests for that one so that'll be a fun show but it's gonna be a few short shows and us sounding exhausted sometime (laughs) over the next week. You will be sick of hearing from us by the time Age of Ultron comes out.
1: I I think that's some um, some really enticing copy to to get our listeners to, to tune You in.
0: you will hate us with a passion normally <laughs> reserved for Nazis or white supremacists. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you will just want to run us down with your car by the oh time next God. Sunday comes down. <laughs> Well, actually, should I hope not? Because we're going to talk about the possible miss- listener meetup. And-, it, it, it,
1: and by the way, if you ever actually want to see us.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, again, we're we're not sure how many listeners we have in the Chicago area. We know there's there's one or two. And that might be it, which is fine. But right now, on either next Wednesday or Thursday evening, uh, we're planning to hang out at a place called the, the Geek Gar. The uh, Geek Gar. Geek Gar. I need beer. I need beer badly. <laughs> The Geek Bar Beta, uh, which is on nineteen forty one West North Ave. Uh the URL for the place is geekbarchicago.com. And uh it, it, it's a kind of place we just don't have in Boston. Apparently it's a bar literally for geek shit. Instead yeah. of for what I've been able to find online, instead of like putting sports up on the big screens. Yeah, it's all like science fiction movies and TV.
1: You would think in the Boston area, with the number of friggin' colleges that we have, that there would be something like that.
0: You would think, but in Boston, we're still vastly outnumbered by the meathead jocks and heavy-duty sport fans. They will never true. give up the real estate. <laughs> yeah, you'd think we could support it. I and mean, there but... are
1: twelve bars within walking distance of of the home office. None of them are geek themed. At least three of them are sports themed.
0: Yeah that's Boston. (laughs) That's why everybody hates Boston fucking sports fans. true. (laughs) So so it was cool to find out this place exists. And apparently they've got uh, role-playing games and various other just board games that you can just sort of rent and play. And now this is... We're not doing a show from there or anything. It's strictly informal. We're planning to go there to drink. Yes. We will go there to drink whether anybody shows up or not. But when we decide the specific day and time we're going to go, we'll probably... What, Twitter's the best way to, to announce yeah, it? Yeah, we'll
1: throw that up on Twitter, maybe up on uh, Facebook, too.
0: Yeah, so definitely follow us on, on Twitter. I, I, I still don't know our Twitter handle, so... At Infinite Midlife. It's, it's already set up in the phone. I don't need to know what it is, so... At Infinite Midlife. At Infinite, so yes, if you're not following us and have any interest in <laughs> watching to see whether the stories we tell about our own drinking are true...
1: Maybe we should throw it up on Tumblr, too.
0: Yeah, i It'll all depend on what interface we have, you know, when we decide to do it. But Twitter is the best bet. We'll definitely put it on Twitter. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll put up, you know, when we'll be there and what we're wearing and shit so you can tell who we are.
1: I think we can get to all of them through whatever electronic equipment we're, we're bringing. It's not like we're trying to, like, photocopy our ass and put it on the internet. And even then.
0: I'm Now I'm going to do that. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that even remotely, but now I will find a way to overcome the technical shortcomings of the mobile recording studio. Yay. <laughs> don't worry. Just make sure you got enough cash in you at all times to to bail me out on a misdemeanor <laughs> charge. But uh, again, we we really don't know how many listeners we have in the Chicago area, you know. So, but we know, love you all. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you're thinking about coming, uh, shoot us an email also at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail dot com because if there's enough people who are going to go. Uh, we might go on Thursday. They have geek trivia yeah. at this bar, apparently.
1: I suck at trivia.
0: Well, uh, that's why if enough people go, maybe <laughs> we'll do it to, to shore to, us To up.
1: balance my ass. <laughs> well,
0: well, also, I mean, we'll be drinking heavily because, you know, pro tip, the stories that we tell about our drinking are all true. So...
1: <laughs> Write down Princess Leia's tits. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's the answer
0: this time. It's... <laughs> It, it, what was the uh, call sign of the first stormtrooper who was hit by Han Solo in the first Star Wars? Shut it up! You don't know me. No, seriously. Write down Princess Leia's tits. Yeah, so we need help is what we're getting at. So, um, Wookie schlong. <laughs> that's really the answer to everything, isn't it? I'd say write that one down, except that would never get through iTunes. No, it so, would not. But... And, and that's just, you know, an option. The the teams that they allow for trivia are six or less. So I don't, if if nobody shows up, maybe we'll just do it. If it turns out that we're revered unto as gods in the <laughs> Chicago area and hundreds of people show up, you know, we'll just show up there and drink. But, you know, if there's just a few <laughs> people who want to hang, maybe we can put a team together. I don't know.
1: The crisis on Infinite Midlife's home office huffing paint since... <laughs>
0: This morning. <laughs> Delusions of grandeur <laughs> since just now. So so that's the plan right now. Yeah, keep an eye on our various social media accounts. We'll let you know where we'll be. And uh, that right now is the plan for putting shows out. So there there will be a few in the next few days, and hopefully we'll have some cool shit to, yes. to report on. I'm sure we will. Yeah, you know, As opposed to our general cock jokes and drinking into a microphone. Yeah. So, but yeah, the... <laughs> the big geek news this week was all fucking trailers. It was. It was absolutely... (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think it was going to be for a while, but then there were leaks, and but yeah. Well,
1: I mean, they got the Star Wars teaser trailer number two, which is released to coincide with, this is like, what, Star Wars Appreciation Weekend in Anaheim or something?
0: Yeah. um, Actually, uh, yeah, it's just finishing up today, actually. Uh, Yeah, it was the Star Wars celebration, and The panel that uh, this came out in uh, was live streamed. Okay. Uh, Now, I wasn't able to see it live. Uh, Neither were you because we've got jobs and shit to do. Yeah. But um, you can find big chunks of it on YouTube. (laughs) And actually, I've I've got a link that I'll try to remember to put in the show notes. It has like about 40 minutes of it in one big block, which is kind of cool. And I've I've watched some of it. And it's it's basically like any big panel at San Diego Comic-Con. You know, it's it, everybody's on stage, but it's you know there's a moderator throwing puff questions at everybody, yeah, you know, and there's not you know a lot in the way of real news that came out of it short the trailer, right? Yeah, you know, the the biggest two pieces of news I had from like the forty five minutes I watched were uh the news that Harrison Ford is still fucking crotchety. That's not really news though. Yeah, but I've got some audio of a uh, John Boyega talking about <laughs> an interaction he had with Harrison okay. Ford. So, I had a Han Solo in Stormtrooper gear, and it was like this big. And uh, I went over to Harrison and said, Can you sign my doll? And he was like, This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll sign it for you. <laughs> so he's I got cr- it on set. He, he's crotchety but mellowing, I suppose. Five years ago, it would have been Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have my check?
1: Where are my pants? <laughs>
0: That's what I like scotch. That's what he's doing now. Plane <laughs> crash takes it out of a man. But uh, so yeah, the, the only other one was a uh, Carrie Fisher talking about how she will still have fucked up clothing. Okay. So you want that one? Sure. All right.
1: The buns are, you know, they're tired now, so we're probably not going to have the futuristic buns. But I think we have an alternate thing that you'll be very into which is not the metal bikini.
0: Thank God. Thank God. The buns
1: are tired now. You know they've got spanks for that.
0: Oh, she's talking about the fucking hair. I know, I, I know. I, but I had to take the low, low-hanging fruit. And I cut that one fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> what could I tell you? But I mean, yeah, otherwise it was, you know, all, all puff stuff, you know, up to a point. There were one or two other little things. But, you know, the main thing was, was the trailer, and that was online almost immediately. Immediately, yeah. And like everybody else, we watched it. It had to have been eight, ten fucking times oh, in yeah. a row.
1: I gotta say, the fact that you can now stream YouTube to most televisions
0: is a glorious thing. Oh the Chromecast, when it comes to this kind of stuff, is the best thing that ever happened to us. It's the best thirty dollars I've ever spent.
1: Because with the the home theater surround sound and the, the, the kicking subwoofer, <laughs> all of all of all of the spaceship noises make the, the floor rumble. <laughs>
0: well yeah, and just <laughs> The, the fucking music. Oh, yeah. As it swells up through the buttery leather couch. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ. Is that not fucking... Does that not just give you chills if you're in Generation Shit. X? I'm having a moment. Settle down. Hands above the table.
1: Okay, I'm off. Okay. <laughs>
0: If John Williams wrote the score to a syphilitic wino, soiling himself on a city bus, (laughs) I would line up to watch that fucking I'm visualizing that right now to
1: this music.
0: (laughs) (laughs) God, I fucking love that. But, so yeah, I mean, we watched the trailer a lot, just like everybody else. And uh, if you think about it, we really didn't get much new out of it.
1: No, not really. Well, eh, I mean, we... We see an interesting, fucked up, uh, ancient Darth Vader mask.
0: Yes. Um, Vader's melted helmet. Yeah. Which looks exactly like the sexually transmitted plague. (laughs) it fucking sounds like. (laughs) But, okay, that was an interesting moment because clearly someone went to, by seeing that, story-wise, just trying to extrapolate, clearly somebody went to the fourth moon of Endor to retrieve that. Right. Somebody's got it. So... Yeah, because, I mean, dur-
1: during the whole scene at the end with the, the Ewok happy dance um, as they're, they're watching the, the CGI-enhanced Hayden Christensen that wasn't supposed to be there...
0: That never <laughs> happened, and I refuse to admit that it happened. That's why I go to the bathroom when I'm watching my Blu-ray right for that one because <laughs> they still left that shit in there.
1: Um, it, The... the Supposition, I guess, would be that Luke took that away as some
0: kind of trophy. See, I don't think so. Why the fuck would he do that?
1: As I far as don't he's concerned, <laughs> he's
0: he's Viking buried his father. <laughs> he's yeah, he's supposed to be the good guy. The good guy rarely says, "You know, what would be a good souvenir from this." My fucking father's decapitated head. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if we're not going to find a bunch of like octogenarian former Imperials who like fred to fled to some. Tropical planet like Nazis. <laughs> you no, know, I don't know what the Star Wars version of Argentina is, but <laughs> yeah, and, and the Darth other... Mengele. Oh Jesus, that's not a title. <laughs> that could be a title, but... but it's also if somebody has this thing, this is a universe that has a not small history of dabbling in cloning. Oh Jesus! So. Yeah. Just showing the helmet is oh that's good fan service, but if you think about that, there
1: could be something there. Yeah, somebody could have scraped something out of there and slapped it in a petri dish, and
0: <laughs> after they're done having their way with it, look, <laughs> I'm on top. Darth Vader's my bottom. Oh, Jesus, yeah, but... the force is awakened. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> and now the force needs a little nap. <laughs> the force needs a little Gatorade in 20 minutes, please. The force <laughs> thinks that you should have the wet spot. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Let's start
1: it. Let's start it. I got
0: so many sound clips. I got so many sound clips. I pressed the wrong button because all the buttons are smaller. What I wanted was. I got a bad feeling about this, which would have been much fucking funnier.
1: I don't know. They both kind of worked.
0: I need a a bigger fucking screen. I got to upgrade some of the studio equipment here, for fuck's sake. So yeah, we we had that. Um, The opening shot, uh, I thought was really cool. And yes. it was really subtle because it was the pan across that. Tatooine. Well, it's not really Tatooine, it turns out. Okay. Because cause one of the things I got, and I've got a little audio clip from it uh, from J.J. J. Abrams talking about that just after they aired it. But the, I'm not
1: wrong in that it kind of looks like Tatooine. It
0: definitely looks like Tatooine, okay. and that's what I thought. Um, but to be sure, yeah, that's when I started going to look to see if I could find the actual panel. And it turns out it's, uh, well, it's this. The, uh, the location is uh, a desert planet called Jakku. People have thought it's, it's
1: Tatooine. It's a, a planet called Jakku, and you'll learn a lot more about Jakku, uh, maybe even today. Does Jakku have a moon called Z? <laughs> is it the Whirlpool planet?
0: Well, I don't know. With Jakku, with what we just talked about, <laughs> about Darth Vader's helmet, <laughs> maybe that's the Imperial Argentina. Yeah, maybe. So, but, uh, no, it's a... They, what they did with that first pan shot was subtle to the point where I had to point it out to you. Yeah. Um, it's it, and in its own way, I liked it because it's almost like the reverse of the original Star Wars shot. Because as it pans across, there's a little wreck of an X-wing, you know, in the foreground, and in the background, just sort of through the mist, this looming fucking wrecked Star, Star Destroyer. Destroyer. Yeah. And it was it, it brought to my mind the beginning of Star Wars, little ship, mm-hmm. followed by giant Star Destroyer. But in this case, it's almost, and I'm sure I'm reading too much into this, but almost like Abram's saying, you know, yep, okay, we all remember the original Star Wars. Here's us paying some tribute to it, but this is a whole new thing.
1: Yeah, I could see that, certainly.
0: And I'm sure I'm attributing too much in the way of motives to the guy who said, oh, yeah, fuck it, the island purgatory, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> But I, just, I think
1: he's learned since then.
0: <laughs> either way, it's it's a good looking shot. And it is all right if I want to bring stuff to it. Fucking, it, it's my time to piss away. Yeah. But so yeah, what else, what else do we get in the way of fan service? There was a uh, Luke's little speech. Yes. So, <laughs> just to bring us all back to Return of the Jedi and yet forward into whatever the hell this is. The force is strong in my family. Like our pimp hands. Jesus. My father has it. Is this the force of herpes? I have it. Lean in toward herpes. My sister has it. Ding, 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 ding. You have that power too. I wouldn't call it a power, but all right. It's,
1: it's, it's interesting to listen to 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 Hamill after so many years of doing heavy character parts where he's gone out of his way to not sound corn-fed.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he just sounds like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I imagine there's a temptation there to, why don't I, you know, wise it up and try to Obi-Wan it since, you know, if you go more than five web pages in any direction on the internet, it tells you, Mark Hamill's the same age that Alec Guinness was when he did the... Yeah, creepy. Um, Try not to think about it
1: But I mean even when he was on The Flash the other day Doing The Trickster which was basically The Joker He sounded like The Joker
0: so, Yeah <laughs> no that's true
1: So I'm listening I, It took me a while actually when I was listening to it To realize that it was Mark Hamill Because I thought it was maybe they just got some young kid actor Who was <laughs> Talking about his family Or herpes or both <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't, don't bring my weirdness into it For fuck's sake Midichlorians give you herpes, who knows? Midichlorians <laughs> are herpes. <laughs> Write that one down. That's at least got possibilities. Um, but I mean, as he's giving that whole speech, there's just some some cool moments because you know, we see, I presume it's Luke giving Leia his lightsaber because it happens, as he says, my sister has it. And all you see is a, a dude's left hand, which means it could still be Luke because we do see presumably Luke earlier on with his now... I'm not even faking it. It's just a metal hand. Yeah. Petting R2-D2 for some reason.
1: It's the only way he can come? (laughs) Which one?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and that's the other thing. The initial thought was, oh, Luke's giving Leia his lightsaber, but I freeze-framed it. And and I did some research, because we've got one or two of the replica lightsabers in the house. Yeah. If anything... It looks more like his original lightsaber from Star Wars, but he don't have that. He lost that with his hand in Empire Strikes Back. Now, from the back, it's got the vertical rubberized stuff on the bottom. It could be Darth Vader's lightsaber, which would be odd. It would be,
1: except, I don't know. I mean, if he did, in fact, for whatever reason, go and get the melty face mask... It would not be outside the realm of possibility that he collected the lights, lightsaber at that time as
0: well. True, but it's also <laughs> this is the problem with the fucking trailer. We're trying to ascribe
1: story it, points to a thing that we don't know.
0: Yeah, it could <sighs> be a completely out of context shot from some other character. Oh yeah, you know it. It could be uh, yeah one of these octogenarian imperial Nazis I've imagined <laughs> handing Vader's lightsaber to. Whoever, Joe Blow from Falmouth, yeah. going, you know, shit, my can opener's broken. Can you open, can you tap the keg? we got a problem. <laughs> I and mean, that's the hell of trailers. And we're not the only ones talking about this trailer and the next one we're going to talk about this week. It's just, it's some nature of being a a, a geek with all this stuff with this and Batman and Superman we're going to talk about stuff uh, I want to see it and I want it to be everything I want it to be and let me try to figure out how it is or how it isn't Yeah. Yeah, you know, with uh, what amounts to I mean Jesus the entire trailer is maybe 2 minutes or so.
1: Yeah. But I mean that's that's sort of the purpose of these teaser trailers is to to hype it up and get you excited for when they finally give you a trailer with some more
0: meat. Oh, it's working. <laughs> it's definitely working assuming it is what it looks like and it's Luke giving Leia some form of lightsaber i just kind of thought that was cool cuz for that it's it's hard it's easy to forget that between empire and jedi where we had no idea what was coming all we knew was yoda saying no there is another right when obi-wan said that luke was their last hope then they went so long and hard in Jedi trying to convince us it was Leia and then she never did shit with the force she never got a lightsaber so it's kind of nice after all this time if they're still going to say yep that's how it was and one of the realities is probably Lucas saying well shit I wasn't even entirely sure I was going to get a third movie. Well he doesn't
1: even tell her that they're siblings until the end of the third movie yeah well it's
0: about halfway through
1: Okay. She yeah. doesn't
0: tell Han until the very end.
1: Yeah. Sorry. So much Ewok happy dance. I just, I get confused. <laughs> yub, yub. Yub, yub. <laughs> yub.
0: <laughs> I'll just make terrible sounds under the microphone. Sure. <laughs> but, Two hours later. <laughs> but it's, if they're doing it, it's kind of nice. Yeah. Let her have the big iron for a while. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, she earned it, and she's off the coke now, so you can trust her with it. <laughs> oh, Jesus! So I mean, yeah, that was kind of cool, but yeah, that was not the money shot. No, y- you know what the money shot was.
1: The the money. Julie, sh- we're home.
0: <laughs> you show a male from Generation X a picture of Han Solo on the Millennium Falcon, and you will get as predictable reaction as. As if you showed him naked pictures of L. McPherson from 1986. <laughs> it's a gimme. Yep, of yep. Of course that would... Oh. <laughs> Sorry. And that's our show. Thank you for listening. <laughs> we are fucking canceled.
1: No, I mean, it, it, it had some nice symmetry with the previous teaser. Uh, the last scene that you see is the Millennium Falcon. This one, the last scene you see is Han and Chewie presumably on the millennium falcon.
0: <laughs> well, uh, no, based on the background, uh, that was definitely the falcon.
1: Just just saying, <laughs> right without, you know, since we are only looking at a teaser, presumably.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose that's true. You just want to suck the joy out of everything.
1: <laughs> I just want to say that and you showed me the pictures. It looks to me whereas, you know, Han has has aged as gracefully as possible. <laughs> Into, into a gentleman bandit. Chewie's had some work done.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'll have to find the website where I saw it, but somebody put up an older picture of Han and Chewbacca. Yeah. And, and yeah, it looks like Chewie's lips are thinner and his <laughs> eyes are a little wider.
1: Went to one of those LA surgeons.
0: <laughs> yeah, just a, okay, what are you in for today? Oh, okay, some Botox around the eyes. <laughs>
1: Put a little filler in here, and uh, what do you think about this? I I call it autumn mist. It's it's good, sort of demi permanent. It'll wash out gradually.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh. Everything's under control. Situation normal. <laughs> stop it! Just fucking stop <laughs> it!
1: Yeah, you know, next time maybe we'll go for the foil highlights.
0: <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. I I need you to stop now. <laughs> now I don't want to see this movie anymore. Are you happy? <laughs> I'm afraid it's going to be the Devil Wears Prada only with Wookies. <laughs> Devil Wears Prada with Wookies. That's not terrible. All right. <laughs> but I mean, it, it it's weird. Just because I it's weird because I remember being a little kid, uh, when Star Wars first came out. I was five or six, and everybody on the playground wanted to be Luke Skywalker. I was the only one who wanted to be Han Solo, and it like just feels over time like all the dudes. Sort of, uh, I was ahead of my time at six. Uh, all the dudes wanted to be Han Solo. Feels like everybody caught up with me. Of course the money shot is Han Solo and Chewbacca. Of course it is. It's nice to hear, Luke. We'll never hear Leia in any of the trailers. Because listen to this voice, for Christ's sake. The buns
1: are, you know, they're tired now. So
0: Plus her <laughs> buns are tired, so she won't be in the trailer. <laughs> it's got to be Han Solo and Chewbacca.
1: Yeah, and, and at this point, I've watched in a family guide Griffin, <laughs> I want
0: you. <laughs> Griffin, I want you. <laughs> yeah, right. I shouldn't have done that. That's terrible. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, it, it, they, they had to show Han Solo. That's what everybody wants to see. The only way that is not the gimme money shot is if it's a picture of Han Solo soiling himself on a city bus. <laughs> and we established if he did it with this, I'd still go fucking see it. <laughs>
1: uh, and, uh, and as the music reaches crescendo, the look of relief <laughs> as he voids.
0: <laughs> I'm going to make the jump to hyperspace. <laughs>
1: In my pants. <laughs> <laughs> they said it was fixed!
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus. I can't do that sound effect. I need the sound effect. That's all right. But, I mean, yeah, ultimately, that, that's all we really saw. There were fast cuts of one of the new dudes, uh, Luke Skywalker, getting up in an X-Wing going, Yahoo! and Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> John Boyega, again, sweaty and wheezing and running. Yep. But...
1: And I, I don't know if he's actually a stormtrooper. I I think it's, it's like everybody's forgetting in the first movie that Han and Luke ran around for a good chunk of the movie in a stormtrooper outfit.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and for the people who are bitching, it's, you know, oh, they're clones. They would all look like, well, no, the Empire's sort of dead. We've moved past the clones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're, their massive cloning facilities to, to clone an army are gone. Yeah. I'm excited maybe about the idea of some dipshit... You know, some dipshit scraped the inside of Vader's skull, and we've got some kind of clone of that coming. But even then, that means we might see Hayden Christensen. That's bad, and that's wrong, and nobody wants that.
1: Nobody wants that, So no. Unless I, it's a sheep named Hayden Christensen. <laughs> <laughs> this is my sheep dolly, and this is Hayden Christensen. <laughs> well, no,
0: now we're They came sh-
1: from the same stem cell.
0: <laughs> and then somebody's going to fuck a sheep, because this Jakku planet, it's going to be a backwater. <laughs> We're making it worse for ourselves, is what I'm saying.
1: I'm a ruiner. Yeah, we'll... I ruin things. Well, the...
0: <laughs> <laughs> you do. You don't have any debate from me here, but the reality is there's almost no information here. Yeah. You know, the information that here is designed to push your buttons. Yes. You know, that Williams score, Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker's voiceover, and you show me Han Solo and Chewbacca. Of course I'm going to go. Of course I'm excited. Yeah. You know, should we be? I keep saying my safe word is Phantom Menace. <laughs> That's another one. We got some decent <laughs> titles coming out. That's good. But I mean, it, how how psyched are are you for this? I mean, look we're we are prime time to be psyched for this. You'd have to be dead inside to be a geek and not be okay. I really want to see this. You know, I'm really trying to. I'm really trying to take it with. This could go all wrong.
1: Well, I I would say that the fact that they've given the franchise over finally to other people who aren't George Lucas.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> um it gives me more hope than the uh the previous prequels. I, I mean with those there was no really good way to know until you went into the first one and came out just
0: confused about what you just seen <laughs> like, and... you, like you were dick smacked in the childhood
1: <laughs> yeah yeah like wait wait i i don't think i liked that
0: <laughs> yeah I, i've talked about it on the show before i went with a uh, with trebuchet we we took the day off uh, on the friday it came out and yeah walked out and it's like i don't was that <laughs> the fuck just but, happened <laughs> You want to get a beer and maybe talk about this? Although I'm not sure there's anything to really talk about. feel so vaguely ashamed. The no. lightsaber ba- lightsaber <laughs> battles were that was the one thing we all yeah. agreed on. Those were awesome lightsaber battles. Oh my god! And, yeah,
1: and, and then, then, then the rest of it was like, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Then I went back with a buddy <laughs> the next day, and it's like, oh no, no.
1: <laughs> I, I came out of it because, and 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 my feeling was I I went to a midnight showing of what? No. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was. So I just keep telling myself that the safe word is "phantom menace." Like, oh my God, it's hot. "phantom menace." Okay,
1: yeah, all right, yeah. Um, so I think Abrams, having handled a reboot, as it were, of the Star Trek franchise, understands the the level of of pressure and scrutiny he'll be under dealing with this, particularly in the face of those disappointing other three films which he had nothing to do with but can learn from
0: yeah look and we've we've talked about that before the underlying stuff going on i think it's the right person to do it he's shown that he can revitalize a a franchise i mean shit star trek is half you know the the star trek reboot under abrams is half star wars pretty much yeah it's more star wars than star trek well under the hood
1: yeah and you know i don't know to what degree there is a committee of individuals that have been out you know doing um testing and and getting people's input as they've been going along and and sort of screening by committee but the things that they've dropped leading up to this to give us some hype have for the most part been successful you'll notice in this particular trailer there was no weird lightsaber there was. There was? You had
0: to really look for it, but okay. it, it was there.
1: I, I blinked then. Uh- <laughs> yeah,
0: and it wasn't... It, you really had to look to see that it had that whole hilt thing going on. Okay. It but was de-emphasized.
1: It was de- All right, so at the very least, that part was de-emphasized. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, in the other trailer leading up to this, how cool was Baldroid?
0: <laughs> Baldroid, the best thing... Yeah, remind me to put the link to the... Uh, to the panel, because that that's a practical effect. Yeah, they rolled that fucker out onto the stage under remote control, just like R two D two. He's about half the size of R two D two, but that's a practical effect. <laughs> it's a I, w- I want to say BB eight, okay, is the name of the droid. Uh, I I forget, but <laughs> but it's it's a legit fucking thing, I yeah, think
1: that's awesome. And but you know that was the right level of of cute that they never got anywhere near with the foolishness that was Jar Jar. In the prequels, you know, if they're well, looking for something to appeal
0: to the kids. Well, yeah, and and if somebody wrote that and went to George Lucas and said, "We want to make this a practical effect," he'd have thrown his coffee in your face and said,
1: "No, no, more computers." I, I'm pretty sure that I can I can program that on my Apple by just slapping my dick into the keyboard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't buy you assholes Mac Pros so that you could build me a robot.
1: Adobe, Adobe, that bitch up. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, that's another one. I'll write that one down. But, <laughs> but I mean, this is just kind of the hell of, of trailer culture. And the weird thing is I don't mind being spoiled. I'm one of the rare geeks. I don't, I don't give a shit. Yeah. If a synopsis of the entire plot, if the screenplay, if the shooting script dropped tomorrow, I would read it.
1: If the novel showed up on Troll Book Club. I would buy it before I went to the movie, much like I did Jedi. <laughs> well,
0: and, and yeah, that's that's the thing. Realistically, in Generation X, you did grow up with these things available. You know, I got the Empire Strikes Back book from the Scholastic Book Club, yeah, the, months before the movie came out. So you know, I knew though there was another. I knew the I am your father. I knew all that shit. It never bothered me. Yeah, because there's plot and there's execution. Right, plot's important. But combined with execution is what makes the piece of art. Yes. So.
1: No, I mean, that, that's why I bought the the novelization of Jedi before we saw the movie, because and I've told the story before. My dad love him to death. Cheap as hell. So, you know, we were going to see it at, <laughs> you know, the El Cheapo also ran months after it dropped. <laughs> and I had no idea when that was going to be. You know, for all I knew, he was going to wait until we could get like the five dollar everybody in the car drive-in experience that summer. <laughs> yeah. So I, I am on record as having been angry about the ending of of Empire. I needed to know what the fuck was going to happen next. So of course, I got the novelization. I needed to know. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, but before Jedi, I had the novelization. I had the making of book. I had the comic adaptation from Marvel. That I knew full well what was happening in that movie. So yeah, if if for some reason the the
1: tann draft of the Force Awakens shows up on scriptorama, I'm not gonna not look at it. <laughs> yeah,
0: but it, it's it's weird. People complain about you know oh the trailers are spoiling everything. You, you sort of have a point, but I don't really care about that. What I care about is when the trailers are bullshit. Yeah. And tell me about a movie that doesn't really exist. That's true. And that's Phantom Menace. That trailer was glorious.
1: Yes. That movie
0: was not glorious. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and that's where the tricky part comes. The trailers are designed to get you excited. Yes. And as long as, okay, but it's, <laughs> even with this one, you can't say this trailer is spoiling anything. You knew Han Solo was coming back. Right. You, know, you knew the the gang was coming back. The only the only casting spoiler they could have now is if Lando shows up someplace. And that would be awesome. That, Honestly,
1: if Lando's in there, I want th- I want that to, to be an Easter egg. I, I, w- I want to be
0: surprised. That would be fine. But when I'm saying I don't mind being spoiled, I don't go out of my way to be spoiled. But if it happens, I don't give a shit.
1: At this point, I do try to not be spoiled wherever possible just because it is too easy. It, it was one thing to to lack impulse control as a nine-year-old. And demand the book and, and and be able to read it ahead of time and boy, I pissed my dad off. And now now here's what's gonna
0: happen now you know, in the movie oh, theater. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure my dad probably still harbors a grudge. I should call him after the show is <laughs> over. Sorry, Dad. Um
1: but you know, now because it is just so easy to to run into a spoiler without even meaning to.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I don't let it make me bitter.
1: I I try not to let it make me bitter, but sometimes I'm pissed. I mean, sometimes I have to remind myself if I come across something that spoils something for me, I did it to myself. I should have realized, you know what, give myself the 24 to 48 hour moratorium until things fall off my timeline on Twitter or whatever. But um, sometimes I forget I'm human and I like to post stupid cat pictures at three in the morning and, and read Twitter on the toilet, and
0: <laughs> that's my girl.
1: I... <laughs> Go me, <laughs> Jesus. Just an all American girl mm-hmm. posting cat pit- pictures of, on Twitter while on the toilet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but th- yeah, I can even that kind of spoiling doesn't really bother me because I figure, eh, all right, now I know, but yeah. it's still, I'm more about the execution. So, no, that's true. But... So, so yeah, when it comes to the trailer, really, yeah, this is just big red meat thrown over the wall. I don't know anything more about the story. Yeah. I saw Han Solo and that makes me giggle. And that's okay. You know, it's it's like when I was a kid and watched Runaway, I saw a booby. It did not take <laughs> away from my experience of getting laid eventually. It was a nice little bonus. It was red meat for a 13-year-old.
1: Well, I think also at the end of the day, it's important to remember this is intended to be entertainment. It's supposed to amuse us and make us happy and take our minds off of whatever troubles we are you know trying to ignore in our lives yeah. it's It's supposed to be light and fun to to have a trailer cause you angst to have, to have the hype leading up to a thing that is supposed to be fun cause you to become apoplectic with rage. For no reason in particular,
0: or <laughs> you really got to say this before we start talking about Batman versus Superman. Uh,
1: I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to play this for me before Doctor Who starts again this fall. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> um, uh, actually, no wait, go, go into your speech. Do it
1: to, to have a trailer cause you to become apoplectic with rage. To to make it, you know, cause you to fill your pants with just horror and damage because you can't get out of your own damn way and have some fun you know that's that's the tragedy (laughs) it is
0: for your consideration (laughs) All right, that's (laughs) I think I went too far with the volume there Uh, I apologize
1: (laughs) for your consideration would have been like just you know words at the bottom of the the screen I
0: just wanted to make your (laughs) your bullshit sore is that so wrong? Thanks. Hey, that's what I'm here for
1: you know that. That being said, I think what we're we don't have a lot of information about, and where a good chunk of the responsibility for carrying the story forward will be on the characters that we have yet to really learn anything about. Yeah, we know that John Boyega is running around in a stormtrooper outfit. What are you talking about? We have a lot of information. The buns are, you know, they're tired now, which is why <laughs> there's at least two other. Lithe, 20-something young women running around in half-shirts and weird quasi-bondage-looking outfits. And, that, and that's <laughs>
0: why... <Chewie>. we're
1: home. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you know, I, we, we don't know a lot about most of these characters, or at least I don't. Um,
0: yeah, I don't know a thing, and I wasn't able to pick up. Like I said, the, the panel was mostly Puff stuff, like any other San Diego panel.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I, I think if you go on IMDb, names have been assigned to characters. I think I don't know. I haven't gone really because again, I'm I'm trying not to be spoiled.
0: Um, as long as there's no Dexter Jetster, I think we're gonna be. <laughs> um, who
1: who did they end up giving the part to that the the female part recently? That was like the the big deal, like Rooney Mara or something.
0: Oh, uh, I would to somebody else. Or... I would have to look it up. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I mean. It, I think there's there's certain characters out there that are going to be more meaningful to those folks that were into the extended Star Wars universe that they're only picking and choosing things from because that's no longer canon anymore. <laughs> right. Um, so those are the people that are that stand to be most likely upset if this doesn't go as is in their own personal headcanons.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's the same with any time you're talking about a property like this and you're just getting bits and pieces of information. Yeah. People will get excited about certain things and pissed off about... Other things. Potentially everything, uh, later. <laughs> Phantom menace. What did I just see? <laughs> that just happened? Oh my god. I wouldn't let that kid play Anakin Skywalker if I was playing on the schoolyard. What the... Why does my ass hurt? <laughs> I didn't go see that movie with you. <laughs> Alright, want to talk Batman versus Superman? Yeah,
1: speaking of things that stand to make me more disappointed, if not apoplectic with
0: rage. Yeah, this one, (laughs) well, yeah, this one I had more issues with because there was stuff in there that clearly came from, clearly he's trying an adaptation of a somewhat beloved comic book, and not all of it uh, worked.
1: Now, Rob, if I remember correctly... The Dark Knight Returns is the first graphic novel you ever purchased?
0: Uh, It it is. It's the first trade I have. Uh, I got it in, yeah, 1986 or maybe early 1987.
1: So this is a meaningful property for you.
0: It most certainly is. (laughs) It it most certainly is. As more of an adult than when I first read it at 16 years old, it means something different to me than it did at the time. Mm -hmm. But... Yes, it is still one of my favorite comic stories.
1: Because I I don't think I ended up reading this story until I was well into college. So I was a little further along in terms of developmentally, how I approached it. Like, oh, this is... I I can see, you know, the the political pieces and... What do you (laughs) call
0: me, a fucking retard? I'll fight you right now. (laughs)
1: Um, My Affleck Batman
0: impression. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Good night. And that's why they gave him a voice modulator. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We can't stop making him drop the R's. Get him a voice modulator.
0: <laughs> Superman, you asshole. <laughs> Jesus. So, yeah. Uh, this Superman, partic-
1: the best part of my day. You know what that's going to be? The best <laughs> part of my day. When I come to your fortress of solitude and you're not there, <laughs> that will be the best day.
0: <laughs> Chucky, are you going to the Cave and using my mom's DVD player to jack off? <laughs> So back to the trailer. We just wrote a better movie than Zack Snyder is going to make. Oh, <laughs> Look, I, I don't want to think that I know. I, there are problems. There are problems with this trailer because it is within the context of an already laid out story um, that. So I had some problems with it. I am one of the few people I know who defends man of steel. I think it's vastly better than people give it credit for. Is it a, classic work. No, Zack Snyder has not done a classic work. I think it holds up as an origin story for this had to happen to Superman for him to become Superman. Yeah. Um and I'm one of the few people who really thinks that. And I'll I'll argue all day long and putting it in context with Miracle Man and how, you know, Miracle Man could lead to this kind of story and with the destruction and, and but it <laughs> it doesn't make a difference because none of that shit had the Dark Knight Returns in it. <laughs> so yeah, this trailer was supposed to debut next week, and they were doing a big invitation thing to go see it in IMAX. And then, yeah, some dude le- leaked a cell phone video of a Spanish or Portuguese version of it uh, late on Thursday. So uh, Warner Brothers and Zack Snyder just dropped the the high-def version uh, Friday night, I yeah, think. Yeah, just get in front of it. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, so same as with... Uh, the Star Wars trailer. What did we see in this? Now, the first thing that we saw was darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, uh, we first, the first thing we get is a voiceover uh, showing that even Superman's own fucking mother doesn't trust him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, it's... is it really surprising that the most powerful man in the world should be a figure of
0: controversy? We, as a population on this planet, have been looking for a savior. We're talking about a billion whose very existence. That's Neil deGrasse Tyson, I guarantee you.
1: Yeah, actually.
0: So. It true. Challenges our own sense of priority in the universe. And that goes on and on and on for a oh, while.
1: God, I hope they get the rest of the science of the movie right, because it would be a real shame if he bitched about the science of a movie he's in.
0: Yeah, God damn it. <laughs> Get the sky right, for fuck's sake. You get Superman and his gravity powers correct. (laughs) Heat vision would only work at this degree centigrade, (laughs) goddammit. (laughs) If you're going to throw a Kryptonian through a building, it's going to go at this Peral... I can't even say the science shit. (laughs) I got a stupid comics podcast. I've sucked at science. So yeah, we've got that. Uh, We see Superman... Lifting what I initially thought was like an old Apollo, but I think it's a a Soyuz uh, landing capsule of some kind. We've got what looks like a bunch of cops kneeling before Superman. Yeah, which, you know, I I wonder about that.
1: Isn't there something like um, Sons of Batman and... Dark Knight returns.
0: There, there is. I suppose this could be Sons of Superman. There's a certain amount of potential reversing of stories that might have to happen for all of this to to work. Yeah. But we'll get to that.
1: Okay.
0: Um, we've got Superman floating in the air while someone reaches out to him as to worship. You no, know, it's the full Jesus moment and probably as subtle as Zack Snyder ever fucking gets yeah. with his symbolism. Yeah. Uh, and then we get a Superman statue being unveiled except it's been vandalized with a big false god across the chest. Now, I'm I'm guessing that somewhere in this flick we find out Superman has been This can't take place right after Man of Steel. No. He has to have been doing some good stuff in between the end of that movie and this movie. Well, and also his his final statement
1: on things at the end of Man of Steel was, you know, I'll work with you, but don't pry into my shit. And and please remember, you know, I, I have my own power and agency. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm not going to be your butt boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be your butt boy, dash Superman. There's a fucking yearbook <laughs> quote. <laughs> um,
1: whereas, again, I don't know how many elements Snyder is planning on pulling from Dark Knight Returns for this movie. But we are if we are to take Dark Knight returns from Batman's point of view, which we're supposed to. Yeah. Superman has become complicit in in this corrupt government and the the Boy Scout is now really just pushing an agenda rather than doing what's right for the sake of justice.
0: I thought the same thing when I was sixteen years old. Ha <laughs> ha All right. You're so much more evolved. than I I did. (laughs) I (laughs) drank. I did. I don't necessarily think that now, although certainly those elements are in the Dark Knight Returns. But I think there's a lot more going on there than what I initially took from it. And I think most people take from it. Yeah. Let's talk about that in the middle, because right at this point in the trailer, this is when we switch to Batman's point of view. Okay. And... If frankly it starts out with initially I just thought it was some voiceover but uh, listening closely it it was Jeremy Iron's voice so the first Batman thing we have is basically Alfred you know and it's Alfred saying that's how it starts
1: the fever the rage the feeling of powerlessness
0: is he talking about me in the sack good man cruel so that's our introduction to Batman basically with and that happens with Affleck with his temples kind of grayed up, you know, given his yeah. good middle distance, you know, stare at nothing.
1: Yep. You see, he didn't get the, the demi permanent that washes out gradually. No. <laughs> and you'd think that Bruce Wayne could afford that.
0: <laughs> Bruce Wayne with a permanent fills me with terror. <laughs> oh, you're talking about permanent die. Die. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well the dummy is, you, it washes out gradually so that it
0: eh. I thought you you were gonna say he's doing a full paw Brady in the later seasons and I don't need that
1: <laughs> that would be awesome <laughs> no
0: no that's not Batman god damn it but so yeah and then we get the the bat suit we finally see him in the bat suit we see Batman standing in what I presume is crime alley uh, we get the bat and the Batmobile blowing shit up with machine guns you know as Batman does yeah uh and then, then the the Batman on the roof scene that we've gotten from every Batman movie, from Christopher Nolan to what's his face, I'm blanking. Who did um, the first one? Michael Keaton. No, the director. Oh,
1: the fir- Tim Burton.
0: Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I too, I'm getting old. What do you want from me? But uh, and then, and this is where I, I start to have a problem. We we get Affleck in what is clearly supposed to be the bat armor from the end of Dark Knight Returns. Um, and Superman lands in front of him, similar to the scene from Dark Knight Returns, and, and then we we get this. Tell me, do you bleed? You will. <laughs> no. The first time Amanda heard this, she said, "This is the first thing she thought of." Tell me, do you bleed? I got a bad feeling. <laughs> Damn it. There were too many fucking buttons. I fucked that up. (laughs) That's all right. I worked that transition for forever. We'll do it. We'll do it one more time. Tell me. Do you plead? Darkness. No parents. That would have been a hell of a lot funnier if I hadn't fucked it up. God damn it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It's all right. (laughs) Gremlins in the machine.
0: Continue darkness. Darkness, get it? The of light.
1: <laughs> and how can you not it's just it, and and it, i'm sorry it takes away from something that's intended to be this like moment of you know uh oh, batman's all up in your shit now soups no <laughs> now buns are you know they're tired now. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
0: Um. All right, I'm done. I promise (laughs) I worked so hard on that fucking transition. I practiced it. God damn it. It's all right. (laughs) All right. So yeah, Snyder has not made any secret about the fact that he wanted. He has always wanted to make the Dark Knight Returns adaptation. Yes. We were at the San Diego Comic-Con panel for Watchmen in 2008, where he flat out said that it was one of the things he wanted to work on. Yeah. Uh, and it, what was it, a year or two ago, he announced this movie at San Diego with the big quote uh, at the end of the Batman-Superman fight from Dark Knight Returns. Yep. Um, so he clearly that's what he wants out of this. Yep. Now, we can, let's, <laughs> yes, yeah, start by stipulating we don't know any more about Batman versus Superman from this one trailer than we do about Star Wars from the other one.
1: Yes. Although somebody on one of the the forums on on Bleeding Cool made a really great point that in this supposed origin story for for Batman-Superman teaming up where we're seeing this particular DC cinematic universe, Batman, for the first time, we're seeing it in the context of in the graphic novel, an alternate universe where Batman and Superman fight for the last time. Well,
0: yes. Yes, and that's a serious, serious problem. It could be a serious problem for what he's trying to accomplish here. Yes. I mean, okay. The Dark Knight Returns was a Batman story. Yes, it was. Superman was a very minor character in it. So you could present Superman in certain ways as somewhat one-dimensional and arguably as a government stooge. And you can do that without affecting the overall story, because right up until the end, he's just sort of on the sidelines. Yes. So you can do that in a Batman story, but for all intents and purposes, this is the sequel to Man of Steel. Yes. This should be a, on paper, a Superman movie.
1: <laughs> it should be a Superman story. So it, in my mind, do they feel that Superman inherently as a character is not strong enough to carry his own sequel? Somehow Christopher Reeve
0: was able to carry his own sequel. <laughs> At least one, <laughs> maybe not two more, but
1: no, no, no. There, there weren't two more movies. You're, you're mistaken. <laughs> it's like you're telling me there's a third Godfather movie. Tell me,
0: do you bleed? I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> I'm sure
1: you get it right that time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I fucked it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it, it's possible that's a thought. I. Uh... I don't know, Zack Snyder. All I know is I can say objectively, because I was there and saw him see it, that at least since 2008, he said, I want to make The Dark Knight Returns. No, absolutely. And I think that he was potentially able to say, you're going to give me a Superman sequel? And you want an Avengers property? Well, then I want to do this. And really, he's he's not making a Superman movie. It's a Batman movie. But either way, Superman... (laughs) It can't end the same as the Dark Knight did. Well, well,
1: no, but it it also smacks of... And this has happened with, um, say, Fox's Marvel properties to a certain degree. There's this feeling that you have to take your biggest name property... Even if they aren't organically supposed to be there in the story, and we're going to shoehorn them in, and I'm talking um, X-Men: Days of Future Past, that was supposed to be a, a Kitty, Kitty Pride, Pride story, story. Yeah. that became a Wolverine story. Yeah, <laughs> apropos of fucking nothing other than Hugh Jackman gets asses and seats. True. You know, and so it, in this particular case, it's supposed to be a Superman story, but Batman, <laughs> because Batman has been selling the fuck out of tickets over. A whole trilogy.
0: <laughs> no, definitely. But you can't simplify Superman to the point that he needs to be simplified to do the Dark Knight Returns. Right. I mean, you just can't. Superman <laughs> and Batman presumably are working together in a couple of years in a Justice League movie.
1: And also, though, if, if they are going the route of Superman is partnering more with the U.S. government and and therefore his actions look suspect because of we're America and the rest of the world is hating us or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, then, then that goes towards, we still have a Superman who hasn't really found a proper sense of self as you would hope he would have. Like, Cause all it's easy, not easy, but the easy route for man of steel to, to say uh, it's not a Superman movie. They didn't call it Superman. They called it man of steel. It was the, the story of Clark Kent's journey toward becoming Superman. That's
0: why he was allowed to make mistakes. Yes, he was, even, he was barely called Superman in that movie for a reason.
1: Yeah, even catastrophic fucking ones. And I still contend that Zod, being the master tactician, brought brought Superman to that point where he had no choice but to kill him in front of the humans so that it would scare them Rather than allow him to really truly partner with them and become an ally, it, it creates a rift out of the gate.
0: Yes, which I think they're clearly capitalizing on, just based on what we saw in the trailer. Which is fine.
1: Yeah. Um. But it, you would hope that as he's entering this this sequel, he's come more fully into his powers. He's becoming more assured and self confident. He is he's truly worthy of taking on the name Superman. But. This would suggest no.
0: <laughs> well, but see, that's that's the other thing. Even in Dark Knight, Superman really isn't that simple.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, and it, he's clearly in this trying to set up that oh, people mistrust Superman. That's why Batman is going after him. Um, but Superman is is he's not even in Dark Knight. He's not a stooge. He's not somebody who can just be provoked into a battle. Right. Yeah, it's...
1: And there's all these other elements, because, again, it's a teaser. It's not a full-on trailer. Right, and
0: it's not the full story, and we're possibly reading stuff into it. We're definitely reading stuff into it. Yeah, I mean, we know
1: that Lex Luthor is in here in some
0: capacity. Yeah. Oh, Lex Luthor and Wonder Woman and Aquaman, and we see none of that. But what we see is basically a scene from The Dark Knight Returns, And that's causing me real problems here. Yes. Because (sighs) with Superman, it's easy to say he was a government stooge. But if you look at everything he did in that book, the first thing Superman does with Bruce is try and talk him into stopping. That's true. He meets him and they take the horseback ride and he tries to convince him that it's not a good idea. Now, if Superman was really just a flat-out government stooge, that would not have happened. Right. Superman would have heat-visioned his nuts off from orbit, <laughs> and the book would have been over in, in the second issue.
1: Well, yeah, that's a, that's some of the other chatter I saw online. It's like, right, so why isn't Superman's next move to fly Batman into orbit and leave him in
0: space? <laughs> well, yeah, because, <laughs> because Miller was fucking smart. You know, number one, he shows Superman doesn't want this fight. Yeah. Yeah, he, Superman was not really the instigator. He was ordered to hunt Batman down, but even Bruce recognizes that Clark's not fighting from anger. Plus, he shows, Miller shows Superman is severely weakened from the nuclear winter. Okay. Even then, you know, after the first couple shots Batman take, Mil- Miller clearly shows that Batman is barely able to hang on. He's getting his ass kicked. Yes. Yeah, until he finally does something to to actually provoke Superman. And right then, he'd have been dead if Green Arrow hadn't showed up and hit him with a synthetic kryptonite. Right. So that's because Miller knows that Superman could kill Batman in a second and a half if he actually fucking wanted to. But Dark Knight's it's a Batman story. So you can't have that battle be anything but Batman being toyed with out of utter pity You know, if if it was a Superman story, that, that. Since it's a Batman story, you have to show Batman winning. If it's a Superman story, the only way this happens is if Superman is toying with Batman. And that doesn't make any sense.
1: And this, that is supposed to be the Superman sequel, is Batman versus Superman. It's not even Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman. It's Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. It's it's DC saying we we gotta we gotta event uh, we gotta assemble all of our guys because we have to play catch up with Marvel we got we gotta get our Justice League movie out yeah so in lieu of a proper sequel that will develop Superman they're jumping the gun and just kicking ahead to nope we we gotta get Batman back on the board
0: <laughs> well it's and based on what we saw early in this trailer. If the motivating factor for Batman to fight Superman is that Superman is not trusted, how does this fight even happen? Well, and and it also...
1: It also takes... It takes some leaps in logic, and with just a teaser trailer, we can't know. Because I, I continue to come back to, in any reasonable universe where you've got two billionaires of such standing and reach as Bruce Wayne with Wayne Tech and Lex Luthor with Luther Corps. The fact that the two of them don't know intimately what each one is doing at any given fucking time.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole corporate espionage, corporate warfare between them. Yeah. I've really only seen Grant Morrison address in uh, JLA back in the late 90s, early 2000s.
1: Yeah. So the the fact that if if luther and we don't know because again teaser um, <laughs> if yeah. luther is doing things to manipulate the world to make sup- make them feel a particular way about superman you would think that bruce wayne would be aware of it <laughs> you would think um and that and therefore he would be tempering his actions accordingly
0: yeah <laughs> see that's a problem i just i can't get past this is the dark knight fight and it doesn't make sense exactly I mean, well, and
1: again, it's, 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 be, it's, it's Snyder saying, I've always wanted to make this, I'm, I'm making this screel.
0: <laughs> well, which is fine, and it's a great fight scene, but you know, the other thing is, if you look at the book, it was not about Batman wants to kick Superman's ass. Batman's motivation was to die a good death. Yes. It says it right on the first page. The yep. first page of the series is, this would be a good death, but not good enough. He's seeking a good death, and to him defeating Superman Klingon? in single combat, it's <laughs> possible. The way Miller draws these days, it may very well be. Everybody's got that brow ridge. I
1: don't mean to alarm you, but those two pages were stuck together.
0: Yeah, well, it's a good sequence, it's a good car race, <laughs> and you shut up. <laughs> but yeah, the, the motivation wasn't to beat Superman. It was to defeat him in a particular way, under particular parameters, and then die. Yes, which which is a completely different motivation than I can see them coming up for in this movie. It just, you know, when the goddamn sound clip, when the sound clip is... Tell me, do you bleed? That's, that's a guy looking just to kick somebody in the nuts. Yeah. And it robs it of the power. No, this is supposed to be the mythic end of a mythical hero.
1: Yeah, it, it does tend to reduce it to the level of... A kid from Southie looking to curb stomp someone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's and the only way it works is with a very particular set of circumstances that Miller meticulously builds. Superman is depowered. They're in nuclear winter. He has only a fraction of his power. Superman doesn't want the fight to begin with. Now it's easy to forget because we never hear any of the dialogue because we're told Batman has hearing protection for the first Sonic attack. Superman is just sort of fighting he's constantly trying to talk Bruce out of this this is not a guy looking for a fight
1: yeah well and 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 something has to happen in the course of this movie that gets Wonder Woman's attention that gets Aquaman's attention perhaps Lex Luthor manipulates things and causes some kind of nuclear war we don't know
0: (laughs) well that would be a hell of a Justice League movie yeah, Metar fighting, Met- fighting nuclear mutants.
1: Man of Steel two, Metropolis and Gotham take it in the shitter
0: again. <laughs> that metrop, there's no Metropolis anymore. <laughs> only Zool. <laughs> there's no Metropolis, only Zul. Yeah, I write that one down. So yeah, it just it feels like it, uh, oh, I'm just I'm having a real problem figuring out how I can really get into this fight sequence. When none of the intricate work that Miller did, you know, is actually there, now without the four issues of of work showing why this is happening, we're basically dealing with a psychologically damaged person, you know, who who wants to punch on a terrorist that he thinks nuked out Metropolis or something.
1: Now, on the other hand, in Snyder's favor, in terms of being able to, um. Uh, in, in favor of his ability to demonstrate telling story without heavy exposition, I refer you back to the opening credit sequence of Watchmen.
0: Yes, which is a goddamn masterpiece.
1: So, drawing on, and he's got like, what, a, a music video background or something prior to doing these things? I'm
0: honestly not sure. The first, the only, the, as far as I'm concerned, he was birthed whole cloth doing the Dawn of the Dead remake.
1: <laughs> That's true. A commercials background or something. It is possible he may demonstrate that economy of, of storytelling here, filling in some kind of blanks between the end of Man of Steel and what's about to transpire in this movie.
0: Well, I mean the other thing we can bring to it is the the rumors about the suicide squad story for the the movie with Jared Leto as Joker yep. and, uh, and what's his face Will Smith is uh, deadshot. deadshot is the reason that Joker was recruited is because Batman is the level of myth that Miller implies at the beginning of Dark Knight where nobody's taken a picture of him. He's almost considered urban myth joker at least got close knows him and has (laughs) fought him and has information on him i could see that now based on that if that's true then everything we saw at the beginning of this trailer with nobody trusts superman is potentially a misdirect and superman is working with the united states government to bring in this scary potential urban terrorist that nobody knows anything about yeah well that would also make sense Which would fit closer to Dark Knight Returns, but it still comes down to that motivation that Superman has of, I don't want this fight, and Batman has of, I'm going to be dead at the end of this. This is the only good death I can think of. Yeah. None of that is going to be there, and it's just not going to have the same impact. No. It it might still be awesome to look at.
1: But again, this is why I'm hoping that... Snyder, if, he, if he's truly serious about wanting to do this book and doing it justice, I know that some people found Watchmen problematic. And, and that movie, in my opinion, it was such a complex piece of subject matter. Well, yeah. He it's... did about as much justice to that movie as could have been done, short of breaking
0: it into three movies. Yeah, look, I like Watchmen, uh, I, I like Man of Steel. You know, it's kind of hard for me to be sitting here saying, ugh, but I'm not sure about this, you know, considering his two superhero properties I really liked. Yeah. Now, sucker punch, I think I shut off halfway through. No, you
1: went to bed. I watched it. I was pretty drunk. I I thought it was pretty to look at. I don't know that the story hung together, but I was pretty drunk.
0: Yeah. (laughs) There are people who swear it's a, a hidden masterpiece, and it's possible I should give it another shot, but... Yeah, Dawn of the Dead was serviceable, but Dawn, a,
1: Dawn of the Dead was effectively shot, but didn't bring anything new to the party that Romero
0: hadn't already done. Yeah, it,
1: it, it's it's it wasn't quite the shot for shot remake that Psycho was,
0: <laughs> but no, and it did some of its own stuff. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I watch Romero's Dawn of the Dead two or three times a year. <laughs> I do not do the same with Zack Snyder's. No, no. So, but it's it's okay. But yeah, I mean, based on uh, I really like his superhero movies. It, it really kind of bothers me to be saying, no, I, I, I don't see how you do this and have it even remotely have the same effect as it did in Miller's original."
1: But well, I, I find this fascinating though, because it's it's about the weight that we as fans attach to things. You know, and I'm I'm thinking back. I I just gave a beautiful speech with a John Williams score about.
0: <laughs> you did. You did about
1: about you know not not allowing. You know, apoplectic rage to unnecessarily take the reins when you're approaching a thing that's supposed to be fun and, and entertainment. But yeah, there's there's a point where if a story is that important to you, you've created a headcanon for it that is so rich that that is so detailed in terms of your feelings about motivations of the character and um the the meanings and machinations behind why elements of the story happen as they do, that, as would, say, a watchman <laughs> property, you are you are heading into territory that is just fraught with difficulty. It's a minefield.
0: <laughs> well, it, it definitely is. And look, <laughs> th- that copy of Dark Knight over there was my first trade paperback. Second one was Watchmen. So, yeah. And he did... Fine with Watchmen. It was not perfect, but you weren't going to make a perfect Watchmen adaptation. It just it wasn't going to happen. I think the problem I'm having with this is this is not a Dark Knight Returns adaptation he's doing. No. He's... Uh, the word cannibalizing might be a little harsh. <laughs> he's taking pieces of Dark Knight and putting them into something else where I'm not sure they can necessarily fit. Right. Without... The motivations that both Batman and Superman had at the end of that series, it's just a cool fight sequence. True. And I can't reduce that book in my head to just a cool fight sequence. I kind of could at 16. Because at 16, yeah, Superman's a government stooge and Batman kicks ass. And yeah, oh, that panel where he punches him in the face, that's awesome. And as I get older, there's more to it. It's easy to slag on Frank Miller's work. And I will do it with a smile on my face and a song in my heart if it's Holy Terror, yeah. But The Dark Knight Returns, I think, really holds up solidly. Well, now, hey, here this is interesting. So, one of
1: the things I think that again you have your certain X factors. Um, for Watchmen, Snyder was teamed up with, uh, you know, Dave Gibbons. Gibbons um, consulted on it. Right. Um, one of the screenwriters. Is a guy named David Hayter who um has other um genre heavy stuff on his writing resume. He X-Men, he did the screenplay. Yeah. Um he did X2. So he he had already kind of come to the table with a proven writing strategy that worked for these big tent pole superhero movies going yeah. into Watchmen. Um and <laughs> Interestingly, he is attached to a Black Widow um project that is otherwise got nothing attached to it. He's the director and one of the writers um and there is some chatter on the internet this weekend around uh Scarlett Johansson talking more favorably about the possibility of her contract with Marvel uh, her word was
0: mutating. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> That character and her interpretation of it have really come a long way from Iron Man Two. You no, know, that character is one of the more solid parts of uh, uh, Captain America Two. Yes. So I wanted to call it Civil War. It's like no, the Winter Soldier. Jesus, I'm looking ahead even to that for Christ's sake.
1: Well, she took that and 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 ran with it the way that um, Robert Downey Jr. ran with um, Tony Stark,
0: like <laughs> oh, particularly starting with Avengers and then yeah. yeah into cap two um
1: so i think snyder's success with this movie will kind of live and die based on what david goyer comes up with because he he kind of runs hot and cold
0: <laughs> yeah well he is the guy who had superman renounces citizenship in action comics 900 exactly so <laughs> yeah maybe yeah just let him write batman um, And I, I suppose, as I'm sitting here thinking, I've got to get away from the, the Dark night piece of it. Yeah. I have to tell myself, and, and I have not been since, you know, I watched this trailer seven times today trying to figure out what you know, how to talk about it in this show, and I just kept locking on to, this isn't the Dark night. I may just have to accept that, Snyder really likes that fight scene and wanted to reproduce it and just take it as, okay, this is an action sequence. This isn't Dark Knight. I can't pretend it's Dark Knight. If I walk into it saying this is Dark Knight, it's going to fail in my head. Yeah. And I don't want to do that, because I think a lot of people walked into Man of Steel saying, I've heard this is violent and Superman does this and this, so this isn't Superman, so I'm not going to like it. When I think there's a lot there to enjoy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... I think the thing with, with Goyer as a writer is he, he clearly is invested in the fandom and, and he likes what he likes, but if his vision isn't your vision, it's not going to work for you. Yes, yeah. he, he was attached to Nolan's movies and those worked out very well with the strength of Nolan's direction.
0: Yeah, and uh, and his brother's yes. rewriting basically uh, uh, yeah. the plot. yes.
1: Whereas Goyer has also been associated with um, Blade 3, Blade Trinity. Um, <laughs>
0: Cock-juggling thunder That's Which may be the greatest
1: insult of all time. Oh, Ryan Reynolds.
0: <laughs> the only way Ryan Reynolds could say something that would make me happier would be, here's your billion dollars, Rob.
1: <laughs> um, he was also involved in Blade 2, which had its problems. He... he He's, for everything that you could say went well, he's also been involved with things that haven't gone well. He he was the mastermind behind Constantine, which isn't coming back, probably.
0: <laughs> There's still a chance. God damn it, hold out.
1: <laughs> um, so, it's, I approach his work with a little bit more trepidation than I would some other properties.
0: Yeah, he's he's got some wins, but some of his losses are big whiffs. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I got to go back to the point that you made as I gave you the soaring John Williams. <laughs> it's a... Goddamn, where's my mouse? You know, as I think about this, <laughs> I think I really need to take The Dark Knight Returns out of this. I need to approach this as an individual work of art by God. The director has a vision. The writer has a vision. And if they're going to take one of the best action sequences, and granted, suck all the motivation and joy out of it, but just make it a good action sequence, by God, that's got to be okay. And they need to approach this on its own merits and not go looking for its own failures. I timed that okay.
1: You did. (laughs) Look
0: at you. (laughs) Tell me. I want you guys to go out there and protect your
1: balls at any cost.
0: (laughs) Forgot to bump the volume back up. Hope that came through.
1: Yeah. Fix it in post.
0: (laughs) We don't fix anything in post on this show.
1: Lucky that post half the time isn't just you armpit farting into a microphone. Don't give me
0: ideas. (laughs) Seriously, we don't do post on this. Right now it is 8 o'clock Sunday night. This will be live in two and a half hours. Only because it takes that long to write the fucking post on the website. It's true. So, all right. So you helped give me an epiphany that I I just have to take the Dark Knight Returns out of this.
1: Well, again, I I feel strongly about all of these stories, too. But at the end of the day, I want to have fun. I don't want to be angry. It's very easy to be angry about things. It's it's very easy to feel that I've wasted my money on something. Crystal skull. (laughs) <laughs> no You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that darkness is the opposite of light. <laughs> <laughs> darkness. More darkness, get it. The opposite of light. <laughs> <laughs> um but we're we're doing these these shows, we're we're consuming this media. Because it brings joy to us because we love these characters and we love these stories. So I have to try to look at it glass half full
0: and be hopeful. Yeah, look, <laughs> the reality is I read The Dark Knight Returns for the first time when I was 15 or 16 years old. A- and now at least a piece of it is going to be in a movie.
1: Yeah. And you know what, though? Also, if this movie sucks, and I hope it doesn't, um, because there's there's I'm looking forward to Jason Momoa as as Aquaman, I am.
0: Team Thud.
1: Yeah, you know, call call Drogo as as Aquaman. That's inspired. I don't I don't care what anybody says. That's that's fucking brilliant.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes it is. Yeah, and look again. I liked Man of Steel. I might be all alone over here. I want to like Batman versus Superman. Uh, Jesse I'd... Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. Okay, all right. <laughs> hey, you know what? The the guy who was uh, Zuckerberg for a modern Lex Luthor. Why not? Sure.
1: Um, you know, if the kid from from Urban Legend could pull it off on Smallville, <laughs>
0: yeah, he was fine. Yeah.
1: Um, it, so there's there's things in there that, that at the very least are keeping me interested in the face of oh no, grim gritty. I, yikes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know what? That's that's the direction they've been taking tone wise. I don't care about grim gritty yikes. I, I went through the '80s. I read these comics as much as anybody else did. Um, it's, if it doesn't work out and I don't like it, um, I have a whole shelf of Paul Dini Batman, the animated series sitting over there that will, that will wipe the bleach taste out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) That will tell me that I don't have to sleep in the wet spot (laughs) and that I am the prettiest fucking princess.
0: <laughs> so what am I sleeping in the car? What <laughs> the fuck?
1: <laughs> I'm just saying it, it it's like anything else the the books that that gave up the source material to the movie will still be there on the shelf as will the other properties where it has been adapted in a favorable way.
0: Yeah, and look, I've done a complete journey just based like I said, based on on what you said of you know, all right, I don't know enough about Batman versus Superman, whether to be really, really upset about it or not. You know, If he really tries to force the Dark Knight into this, it won't be as good as it could be. But if it's just, yeah, I think everybody wants to see Batman fight Superman because that was a cool action sequence. All right. That trade is still over there. Yep. Pages stuck together and all. <laughs> so, all right. You want to talk about some actual comics? Let's talk about some actual comics. How are we doing on time? We are at an hour twenty-four. Good Christ! I said it was going to be a short show. Yeah, you jinxed us. All right. Well, we'll see how we're doing. We potentially could talk about three, might just be two. What do you want to start with?
1: Oh, let's see. Since we've been talking about a DC property, why don't we seg into this week's Convergence: Supergirl Matrix Number One?
0: Yes, written by Keith Giffen, art by Timothy Green the Second. Yes. So you want to talk the opposite of fucking grim and gritty and dark. Yeah.
1: Has Keith Giffen ever written anything that hasn't just immediately brought a smile to my
0: face? Well, I've never been a fan of uh, his stuff on Legion of Superheroes, but I've never been a fan of the Legion of Superheroes. So
1: I just... I open this book up, and and he knows what buttons to push to make me kind of just giggle out of the gate. You know, I'm looking at... Um, Green has has channeled this overblown fucking
0: 90s art. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. He's got because because, yeah, let's go back a little bit to the beginning. So this is the second week of Convergence. This particular issue is taking place in post-crisis but pre-zero-hour metropolis. Yes. So we're talking firmly mid-90s here.
1: And and uh, I'm reading this from the top, and I've got, okay, we've got some sort of version of Lex Luthor where you got to keep his hair good on him.
0: But Luthor had his hair after Crisis for a reasonable amount of time.
1: And he's he's got a hipster ponytail and, like, chin pubes.
0: Yeah, well, it was the <laughs> rock, 90s.
1: Rocking the purple suit. Um, and, and we've got a bunch of asterisks here. By popular demand, comic book combat the way you like it, asterisks. Yeah, yeah, we know no one in the history of DC Comics has been agitating for these two to throw down, but we're trying to sell books here, so you want to cut us a break. It's, <laughs> it's going to be Supergirl versus L- Lady Quark and Lord Volt, um, yeah, w- who are characters I'm not 100% familiar with. I know that they showed up in that multiverse guide that
0: Morrison wrote. Well, Lady Quark was introduced in Crisis, the first Crisis yes, on Infinite Earths. Yes, Earth, and- Lord Volt basically got fridged. <laughs> I mean, we saw him in a flashback of the destruction of Lady Quark's world. I think in the first issue. No, I think you're right. Yeah. So he maybe existed for an entire page. He may have popped up since then, but that's that's where I'm familiar with him from. But yeah, he he was there to die.
1: Yeah. So yeah, you know, we've got all these these you know sort of cute asides that Giffen is is putting into text boxes on the page. Um, we've got this, this version of Supergirl is a, a protoplasmic blob that thinks it was Lana Lang at some point in time.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I only picked this issue up because I've told the owner of the local comic store that I go to, that we go to, uh, to, to give me at least the first issue of every convergence. So I have no particular... Love for this version of Supergirl beyond. I, I thought it was a clever way to get Supergirl into DC while still keeping the original post-crisis Superman as the only survivor of Krypton. Yeah, but so yeah, I didn't have any particular connection to this version of Supergirl.
1: But you know this this story is just fun. the The banter between um, protoplasmic blob Supergirl and. <laughs> Um, TM and and, and Lex <laughs> Luthor, you know, just he he sees her as little more than an amoeba that can fly.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, there's. This is all about the dialogue and just sort of the attitude. Yeah, this and, is just entertaining, and this is
1: what you want from a Giffen book.
0: <laughs> oh yeah,
1: and and just you know the the fact that when we finally do get to Lord Volt and and Lady Quark, the fact that they're Clearly in a loveless marriage, um, there's some implications about their sexuality. Just sniping
0: (laughs) and bitching at each other.
1: And and you know the 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 fight is ba- the, the fight is basically lost before they get started because they they can't come together.
0: <laughs> What's well, the fight? All, basically, almost doesn't happen at all because it's like okay, we have to fight Supergirl and defend our world, and they're sniping at each other. And Supergirl is like, you know, look, uh, we don't have to fight. I have to go do this other thing, right? And then she you know, takes off. It's like okay, and then they show back up again. We're ready now. It's like yeah, I'm really kind of busy right now. Can we do this some <laughs> other time? Yeah. So it's 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 and then when they do fight, it's they're fighting at each other, and it's like what Lord Volt says, "No, I'm prepared to fight." And Supergirl says, "Okay," and punches him in the face. Yeah. and that's it.
1: One punch. Yeah, one punch <laughs> and down. And and then you know, Lady Cork when she realizes that that Supergirl wasn't even trying that hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the of any. Convergence book I've read in the first 2 weeks. This one is just the most fun. Clearly Keith Giffen was told the overall plot of what Convergence was supposed to be about and just sort of said, "Yes, yeah, so <laughs> fine, I'll do this thing with Supergirl and just yeah, do some old-school JLI banter."
1: And and the fact that she's carrying around this machine that's supposed to be finding the threat to their world. Yeah. And it's not Lord Volt or Lady Quark.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's uh, they're looking for teleportation technology so that Luther can get off this Earth. Okay. it doesn't work very well, and then it stops working, and, and
1: it makes a meep meep noise. <laughs> See <laughs> meep meep. <I> gotta go.
0: <laughs> did she say meep meep? <laughs> she she did. <laughs> Focus. <laughs> yeah, and oh God, I I made this prediction in one of our uh, lead-in episodes talking about convergence, but. Mm-hmm we finally got ambush bug who came from somewhere
1: came from somewhere he's got the teleportation technology and or maybe the threat to this world yep.
0: so <laughs> god i'm happy to see ambush bug so it's it was it was a cute redirect <laughs>
1: yeah it's like oh you you assume you're going to have these superpowered beings throw down and, and that's going to be the fight because that's what you're groomed for from the other convergence books and then ambush
0: bug <laughs> yeah it's every convergence book and and i've i've gotten a kick out of most of them but yeah it's been you know horror and violence or trepidation and fear and in this one it's just everybody's got cross motivation nobody really wants to be fighting okay well we have to fight right now let's just get it out of the way and go do this other thing and
1: is ambush bug drawn specifically to look like keith giffen is that like a thing
0: that is a hell of a thing for you to say about keith giffen god damn it. <laughs> i honestly don't know i don't know <laughs>
1: I, 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 my, my my recollections of having seen him, like, in public are are hazy because Hyatt Bar, but... Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I got a kick out of this book. This has been the most fun I've had with Convergence so far. I've had fun with a lot of them, just seeing some of these older versions of characters, and this is not a character I give a tin shit about, but just the execution on this.
1: Why do you smell like Spackle? Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. should talk. The,
0: this... <laughs> this one was just it, it was fun. Yes, you know. So, if you if you got to pick one convergence book to follow over the two months, give this one a shot. There's there's a lot of good stuff in there.
1: Yes. All right.
0: we want to do next?
1: Um, why don't we talk about tithe? Okay, this was an interesting the tithe.
0: Yes. All right. So the tithe number one. Number one. Uh, written by Matt Hawkins with art by. Uh, what is this, Rochelle Eckadol? Yep. What kind Rash- of parents would name their kid that? Rashan. Rashan.
1: Rashan Ekadal.
0: I say again. What kind of parents would name their kid that?
1: <laughs> and this is a, a book that's put out jointly under the Image and Top Cow imprints.
0: Yep. You know, Matt Hawkins wrote uh, Think Tank, which is a, a book also from, I think it was from Image that I, I really enjoyed last year that I think more may be coming out, but at least I hope so. It's on my polls, but I haven't seen it for a while. Anyway. And... You know, as as indie books
1: go, this is an ambitious story that the writer is setting out for himself. Potentially,
0: yes. It's basically... Well, all right, there's a hacker named Samaritan yes, who targets megachurches that are corrupt, that have committed fraud, at least as far as she's concerned. So up until before this issue, apparently... She was somehow digitally stealing their cash. Apparently, Jesus uses Bitcoin or something. But, <laughs> um, and then reporting them to the feds, but the feds then, when they found the money, returned it to them since there was no legally actionable evidence of fraud. So now Samaritan has put together a private army that is clearly influenced by Anonymous, you know, except they've got Jesus masks instead of the Guy Fox masks yep. and... You know, the fact that Anonymous is, one of their mottos is, we're not your personal army. But anyway, (laughs) now they're doing actual heists. In meat space, yeah. And robbing the the churches. So basically we've got these two feds, uh, Miller and Campbell, I think the names are, who originally were trying to investigate the churches that they hit, but now that it's moved into meat space, they're investigating Samaritan. And at least one of them... One's an atheist, apparently, but the other is a Christian who came to it later in life. Yep. Um, so has, you know, true converted faith. Uh, And, yeah, they're trying to hunt this down. Now, a lot of the backstory we we just sort of have is exposition. Yes. You know, we don't really know who Samaritan is. We don't know how she started on this. What this really is is a heist story. It is. The bulk of this book is taking down this one particular church with some of the aftermath.
1: And it's, I mean, there's certain elements that they're setting up here. There's a megachurch that when it's hit by the Samaritan, you've got various segments of their flock running around going, oh, it's the Muslims. they're, They're painting a particular picture of American religion as relates to these types of large evangelical uh, super churches.
0: Potentially. Um, you can really only address the one that they've shown that is corrupt at the core. Yes. And the fact that we've got a character who, again, says he came to his faith as an adult, which sort of puts aside the old, you know, give me your children and I'll have them forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he's made a conscious choice to have this faith. But even then... His partner, sort of implying, "Dude, you did it to get chicks."
1: A particular chick. A
0: particular chick, because yeah, getting getting chicks and, and going full Christian really worked. I don't know. And although it probably worked for the head of the mega church, but
1: <laughs>
0: so yeah. show, me, show me, what the Lord gave you, sweetie. So, so, I mean, he's he's painting maybe particular churches of this type in this particular way, but still trying to take faith seriously, at least within the context of this one character. And right now, Campbell is the most interesting character there, just because, yeah, he's got potentially a couple of motivations from early on and sort of understands the people who go to these churches and just give the money. There's a lot of weird morality going on here because Samaritan is taking these money... Taking this money from these churches, and at least this particular one is clearly corrupt. We're shown, yeah, yeah they're kind of scumbags, and they're lying yeah. about how much money they have to the feds, and the, these guys sort of have it coming. Right. So I guess we can assume all the other ones she hit had, had it coming, but she's taking the money, but not. we're not really told where it's supposed to go.
1: Right, and, and she's pissed off when this other hacker kid finds the stash, takes it back, and gives it back to those churches.
0: Well, it's not even a hacker kid. It was, I think, the a hacker for the Feds.
1: Yeah, he's 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 some sort of you know CSI cyber or whatever. Right. But-,
0: <laughs> but it's that means the money did not go somewhere. Now she's using pseudonyms like Errol Flynn to at least give the implication that the money is supposed to go to the poor. But then again, the money came from the poor. Why not give it back to the people who were attending the church? who yeah. gave it of their own free will to these people. And for all we know, they're on their way to Vegas. <laughs> she could be yeah. going to the Bellagio with it. <laughs> yeah, so we've got a really morally ambiguous story going on here, which is really potentially pretty interesting if he can come through with the execution.
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as, as current events are concerned, it's certainly been in the news that with certain um, religious organizations that have come to uh, their licensing as a religion later in life um, yeah. potentially as a tax judge <laughs> yeah uh, that that their choices and use of that money is questionable uh, so to have somebody from from their the, the hacker kids standpoint point of view of um, I've been investigating these churches Samaritan got in my way I was well on my way to to investigating this properly and there would this would have been done the right way yeah. Um and and he's clearly doing it out of a sense of this sanctimonious, you know, no, you guys are corrupt and I'm gonna prove it. <laughs> right. Um, holier than thou, as it were. Yeah. Standpoint. Um so there's there's a fair bit of of black and white rigid thinking at the moment in some of these characters. So I'll be I'll be curious to see what flexibility of mind characters may demonstrate as the story goes forward. Yeah, there's no. It, this kind of stuff isn't black and white. There, are, there are multiple shades of gray.
0: <laughs> oh, definitely. And the thing is, the characters that we've re- we've met so far are more potential than anything else. Yeah, we don't really know much about them because really the bulk of this issue is the heist at the church. Yeah. So all you can really take at face value here is there's a lot of potential, and I like the weird morality that's sort of swirling underneath. That can yes. be really interesting to see how it plays out. Again, if it continues to execute this well. But for right now, with this issue, most of what we've got is a cool heist against some real scumbags, you know, who are milking people and lying. And you know, they lie to their parishioners, they lie to the FBI. It's fun watching them get smacked down. Yeah. Now that won't necessarily appeal to everybody, because right now, Campbell's the only character who is shown to at least at face value be non-cynically religious? So there's potentially people who could read this book who have faith and have a problem with how the depiction of religion and this particular—it's you know, it, hard to say anything positive about this particular church, but it, it could—it could be a little edgy for people who you know have a lot of Christian faith. That said, you and I are not those people.
1: No, but you know we just spent. 45 minutes talking about the impl- implications of pulling source material from the Dark Knight Returns. Um, we got a different faith. With Yeah. <laughs> with with a, a, a near biblical fervorance. <laughs> you
0: got to believe something. So I believe in Batman.
1: So again, it's, it's what you bring to any story that you read. If you have a particular set of beliefs about why a thing should be a particular way. And, and I, I, hesitate to belittle somebody's faith by calling it their (laughs) headcanon
0: yeah don't get us killed for christ's sake but
1: it it, it's not that different
0: (laughs) i really don't want to go down this road (laughs) for christ at the beginning of the show we told people where we're going to be in a couple of days (laughs) can we do this next week maybe Uh,
1: all i'm saying is that people feel strongly about things so if if the story works for you, you're you're going to enjoy it. If you have things that are going to cause it to be difficult for you, it might not be the book for you.
0: Yes. You want to talk to God? Let's go see him together. I've got nothing better to do. But, it, yeah, there's there's potentially a lot here. And there's enough interesting stuff going on under the hood of this. Again, at face value, it's a fun heist story. Yeah. You know, you, you'll probably like it just on that level if you tend toward interesting kind of crime stories but the the long term on this has a lot of potential but it's going to take a couple issues to see whether the execution is there
1: yeah absolutely
0: and that said i really like hawkins stuff on think tank a very different book than this and a lot more light hearted than what seems to be going on here so i'm inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt for a few issues
1: yeah i mean i it would be interesting to talk to to the writer he he has a bit in the back where he talks about where he's coming from and why he wants to, to tell this story. Um, he was raised Southern Baptist, but is, he currently identifies as an atheist. So you know, what what does he want to explore? How How is that going to play out?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it's there's a lot of potential here. Yes. But it's not necessarily going to be for everybody.
1: No. All
0: right. How are we doing on time?
1: We're at 142.
0: All right. So you want to do real quick? Real quick. All right. Because how
1: can we not talk about Archie versus Predator? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Archie versus Predator 1, uh, written by Alex DeCampi, who did No Mercy that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yep. uh, With art by Fernando Ruiz. Yeah. uh, Archie and the gang win a free trip to a tropical island. They go on vacation. They get up to their typical hijinks. They do. Jughead eats too much buffet food. (laughs) Betty and Veronica compete for Archie's attention. Reggie gives serious consideration to date-raping Veronica. And, uh, Jason- Must be Tuesday. Yep. And Jason and Cheryl uh, have their spines ripped out by a predator. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. No, this, this story is just fun. I, I love the chances that um, Dark Horse is allowing Archie
0: to take... Well, it's it's an Archie comics and because uh, Dark Horse has the Predator license, so right. it's really sort of a co-effort.
1: It is, but you know, Alex DeCampi and No Mercy certainly demonstrated a, a talent for writing in the teenage vernacular and and bringing kids that age to life realistically. Um, she she brings that same talent, I feel, to these characters here, and, and they're obviously supposed to be these campy teens. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's you know not intended to be quite as realistic but Well yeah it,
0: this this is very much not afterlife with Archie.
1: No but if you if you are somebody who follows Archie comics and this is Predator stuff aside
0: it's it's an Archie it's comic. It's an Archie comic. <laughs> yeah it's it's the art is traditional Archie house style. Yep. Uh Story and dialogue, typical Archie stuff. Yeah. You know, the gang's on an adventure and everyone acts like you would imagine they would in an Archie comic. Although even there, DeCampi modernizes things. Just a little bit. A bit. Yeah. You know, Reggie calling himself a sexual tyrannosaur and Jughead saying, yeah, tiny appendages noisy and headed for extinction. <laughs> you know. Veronica's goal for the trip, you like this one, flawless victory.
1: That was so awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, and Reggie's third base.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Not necessarily the old school Archie you'd imagine, but it's traditional, oh, and you know, just goofy stuff like even
1: the um, Dilton, the the yearbook editor. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's excited because he he brought his telescope with him. <laughs>
0: but the language is basically
1: oh, gorgeous! I can't wait to press myself against your big aperture. And he's fucking his telescope,
0: <laughs> but
1: but it gives us the opportunity to have the first inkling that. The, the Predator has landed because he sees the the shooting star and doesn't know what it is.
0: But yeah, but even with that, everything that's going on beyond, you see the ship come down and a couple of the infrared shots from the Predator point of view, with the exception of the one <laughs> panel of the Predator clearly holding uh, Jason and Cheryl's spines. Yeah, yeah. It's a straight up, there's like Brady Bunch storylines. Yeah. You know, Veronica breaks Betty's nose and Betty gets all upset. Yep. And uh
1: oh, the thing where where they're they're catfighting and pulling each other's hair <laughs> and it's it's done in the heat vision. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it you, with this particular issue, you're not getting a lot of predator action, but what I liked was yeah, there's the implication the predator flat out murdered Jason and Cheryl. He's standing there with his spines in his hand. Yeah. And yeah, now they're on their way back to Riverdale. So, yeah, the idea of the gang at Riverdale and the predator just running amuck in future issues.
1: And and Betty has found this um ancient dagger
0: of some sort. <laughs>
1: That will probably be important later.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, and she'll she accidentally ran out of a cave with it, and I'm sure she'll accidentally pack it and somehow get it through customs. Yeah, that'll be what you know predators are vulnerable to, and beats the shit out of Betty packing herself in mud, going, "Come on, kill me." What I
1: love though is there's this moment before we have the reveal of the predator with. um spines and skulls in hand where there's just blood dripping down from this tree and, and everybody is absolutely oblivious. Yeah. <laughs> blood is raining on them.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, afterlife with Archie worked for me because it took the Archie archetypes, but pulped up the art and really turned it into a legitimate horror story. This is just an Archie story with the Predator bolted onto it. Yeah. And it looks like it's just going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And the weird thing is, I bought two fucking Archie books this week. You did. I never bought an Archie book in my life before Afterlife with Archie number one. I I bought this and Sabrina the Teenage Witch number two. And I not only bought them, I called the comic store and had them add them to my pulls. (laughs) I, I don't... I don't know what the decision making process at Archie has been for the last few months but they're doing something right.
1: Actually speaking of Sabrina cuz we didn't not the the book itself cuz we don't have time can we just talk about this like just one page in the back that's also written by Alex DeCampi it's Sabrina meets Hellboy.
0: Oh, how God, fucking I awesome about that. <laughs> is this story
1: in in just one page and Hellboy shows up looking to have a conversation with Salem the cat about a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Salem apparently um wants to explain that his papers are in order. <laughs> he yeah. emigrated from Germany. <laughs> nice. And 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 hellboy's like Germany my ass. What have they got on you? <laughs> <laughs> um and future uh she, she Salem makes the introduction. Tiny, tiny Sabrina, who's like age eight. Yeah. <laughs> future queen of witches, I present the future king of hell. Hi, want to build some Legos? <laughs> um. <laughs> I,
0: I had forgotten about that, but yeah, that was awesome.
1: So, yeah, it was just, it was an adorable story.
0: <laughs> yeah, so this really looks to be, it is a very different kind of thing than afterlife with archie but it it was really a lot of fun in its own way yeah so yeah even like i said i never had an archie comic in my life before afterlife with archie so i really i'm going based on the archetypes from that and everybody sort of knows the main characters from archie so you can fall right into this because everybody's an archetype anyway yeah and yeah it's it's an archie story with the predator in it
1: if if you can take something that on its face is as ridiculous as Archie versus predator and make it just a joy to read. You're doing something right. Yeah. This was fun.
0: (laughs) All right. So we about set. I think we are. All right. So yeah, not sure how you found this particular episode, but you can always find us at our home website. That is crisis on infinite Uh, we are on Facebook. You can find a link to our Facebook page on our home site. Uh, Don't do a ton with Facebook, but we do get messages from it, so you can reach us that way. Yes. We are on Twitter, and if you're in the Chicago area and have any interest in hanging out and just getting wretchedly hammered (laughs) with a couple of strangers (laughs) from Boston, you should follow us on Twitter. Uh, At Infinite Midlife. Thank you. I still don't remember it, even though we talked about it an hour ago. (laughs) Uh, We are on Tumblr, .tumblr crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. Uh you can find us on itunes uh if you do do us a favor if you find the show there uh, give us a review uh shoot us a rating uh, it helps people find the show and it's good to know what people are thinking about it yes uh you can email us crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail dot com We are proud members of the comics podcast network can I leave anything out
1: uh that's pretty much it. Tune in radio
0: yes, we can yeah. be found on tune in radio as well so That is about it. This has been episode 64 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. The next episode should drop sometime on Saturday from C2E2 with at least some recap coverage of what's going on there with another episode on Sunday and the big recap with whatever audio we can pull from panels and anybody we can talk to uh, on Monday or Tuesday. Right now, that's it. Thank you for listening to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening. Derp. Like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines.
1: You're the worst.